An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Oh, Episode 409. Submission 810. Booger McFarlane and Jason Witten on Monday Night Football. Well, Mike, we've been wanting to talk about this for a long time now and now finally we get to talk about the absolute train wreck that was the monday night football booth between 2018 to 2020 it was so bad that half of the announcing crew went out of retirement to play one more season of football that is true but okay Monday Night Football has had a lot of legendary names in the broadcast booth. You've had your Keith Jacksons. You've had your Frank Giffords. You had your Howard Cosells. You had your Dandy Don Merediths. You had your Al Michaels, your Dan Deardorffs. And then you had like one season of Al Michaels and Boomer Esiason alone together, which was weird. And then you had Dennis Miller. And we're not going to talk about that. Please, no. Thank you. And then you had John Madden for about four years. And then that was good. And then, of course, everything shook up. ABC lost Monday Night Football to ESPN. And NBC got Sunday Night Football, and that became the marquee game of the week. So Madden and Michaels moved over to NBC. And then for a while you had on Monday Night Football, when it was at ESPN, you had like Mike Tirico with Tony Kornheiser and Joe Theismann for a year, which we'll talk about something from that season next month. And please, for the love of God, don't mention John Gruden because we don't talk about John Gruden. Also, I think we need to add, there was one more person uh, who uh, was involved with these games. You had Booger McFarlane as the analyst in his little Boogermobile. We'll get to that later. That's uh, a story and a half right there. But also, in addition to Jason Witten, you did have Joe Tessitore. Quality, quality play-by-play announcer, but also better known, at least for the last, like, five years, uh, as one of the uh, co-hosts of Holy Moly. That's right, with Rob Riggle. And really, I think that's where he found his groove. Nothing against him as a uh, Monday Night Football announcer, but... Him and Riggle have such great chemistry in Holy Moly, and hopefully it's going to be back next season. Who knows? Who knows? But our third man in the booth for this disastrous experiment was maybe one of the great tight ends in the history of the National Football League, former Dallas Cowboy Jason Witten. Now, Mike, I can understand the logic of why Jason Witten was chosen for this booth. Who made his debut as an analyst one season earlier that also played for the Dallas Cowboys? Um, I'll give you a hint. He works for the eye. Oh, Tony Romo. Yeah. Who's just a little bit better than like everybody minus maybe test. Well, he's better than Tessator, but I don't want to group Tessator in with Booger and uh, Jason Witten. What Romo? In terms of an analyst, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really good. Yeah. What would you say the hierarchy of, like, color commentators is right now? Probably, like, in terms of A color guys. Well, he's definitely probably top at CBS at this point. Yeah. You probably have to throw in, like, Greg Olson, Aikman, and probably Collinsworth. Those are probably your top four. Color guys, I'm not a Collinsworth. Well, neither am I, but I'm just trying to be fair. No, understandable. Yeah, I was. uh, Greg Olson definitely has risen up the charts over the last five years, and Aikman, he's been a stalwart doing Fox games for, gosh, close to twenty years at this point, well over fifteen. But you know who they're all better than? 
Who are they all better than? Eventual Fox analyst Tom Brady. I'm sorry, I can't even say it with a straight face because he's being like massively overpaid and he hasn't done a darn thing. Will he even call a game? That's what everyone in the industry is saying. I think Joe Buck even said last year he predicted he won't even call a game for Fox. Knowing him, he'll sign with some team who needs a quarterback and he'll be slinging the football at 46 years old. Oh, yeah. Alex Guerrero is going to need to reopen that pharmacy at some point. You knew I was going to make an Alex Guerrero joke. And they're always good. They're always accurate. You will not hear me complain about a good Alex Guerrero joke, even a bad one. Any joke about Alex Guerrero is good. But yeah, this announcing team, where should we even begin? So let me read this awful announcing article by Jay Ridgedon from August 16th, 2018. ESPN debuts their entirely new Monday Night Football booth this season with Joe Tessitore in play-by-play, Jason Witten as the color analyst, and Booker McFarlane as a roving third man in, or more accurately, out of the booth. McFarlane was called a field analyst from the moment he was hired, so we knew it wouldn't be a traditional three-man booth. We didn't know that McFarland wouldn't be on the field directly. Instead, ESPN is putting him in a moving crane on the sideline in a bid to literally offer fans a different perspective of the game. From this LA Times article in the uh, awful announcing link, McFarland will have the best seat at FedEx Field on Thursday when the Washington Redacteds host the New York Jets in an exhibition game. He'll be riding in an elevated chair that will be positioned over the line of scrimmage for each snap, giving him a God's eye view of the action. He'll be transported up and down the sideline by a cart equipped with two outreach dorms, one for McFarland's seat and the other for a camera operator. I'll be able to see and hear up close the footwork, motion, things that are being said, the audibles, things you can't see from the booth, said McFarland, a former NFL defensive tackle who played on the Super Bowl winning teams with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Indianapolis Colts. There's one problem, and we talked about this offline regarding uh, Booger McFarland and his Booger mobile, as it were. If he has the best seat in the house, how many people's views is he blocking? Oh, a lot. Especially because if you think about it, people pay hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to sit at the 50-yard line or to sit near the field. And he's basically like an impeded view now? That's a joke. Yeah. In fact, I have a video here. From Big Cat himself, from Barstool Sports, he posted this video back on October 22nd, 2018. And the tweet is called, The Boogermobile is not a fan favorite. Well, you can't say I didn't have a good view of that freaking shot right there. Ridiculous. Now, do you want to describe what's happening in this video? Maybe I don't know the scale of it. But there's a big LCD screen, presuming it's probably, I'm guessing, at least like 50, 60 inches. And it's showing a different perspective of the game. Uh, I mean, it looks like it's zoomed in and maybe even like how you'd see like a crane cam, like overhead and angled. That's what it sort of looks like. But it's on this, again, it's called the Boogermobile. But it's like a, how do I describe it? If you've ever seen the electric company working on a line or the cable company working on a line, they have that ladder that goes up and down, sort of like a a fire ladder kind of, sort of. Imagine at the end of the ladder, a platform with this TV on the back and booger on it. And he's not behind the line of scrimmage. I'm going to tell you that. He's behind one of the teams. Looks like he's behind the Giants. And again, it's more of a detriment to those people who are sitting in the first row, second row, third row, who have this impediment. Booger is by no means a small person. Him and his cart, 
they're blocking the view. I mean, so if you're watching from the 50 yard line and you have this view of the monitor and Booker's backside, essentially. No, that's horrible. Especially again, if you're paying hundreds or thousands of dollars for a ticket. Now, Mike, I want to ask you when you first saw the Booker mobile, what was your reaction to it? I'm not going to lie. I didn't watch much Monday Night Football because oh, neither did I. Well, because the Browns were rarely on. I mean, uh, in 2018, that was the year after they went zero uh, and sixteen, and yeah, they did get Baker Mayfield. I think they did get like a night game or two. Well, yeah, they had a night game because I think their first win was against the Jets when they unlocked the beer coolers. Oh, the was- night that Todd Bowles and Mike McCagden should have gotten fired. But Christopher Johnson, because he was a yes man for his brother, didn't want to fire them. He didn't want to upset his big brother overseas. But yeah, that was week four Thursday night game, I believe. Week three. Now, I remember it was week three because week one, the Jets played on Monday night against the Lions. Now, they did not call this game. And when I say they, I mean, Tessator, Witten, and Booger did not call this game because... I think that was the game Beth Moens called against the Lions and Jets because that was Darnold's debut, I remember. And they won like 41 to 17 or whatever. That was also, unsurprisingly, the reason why they won is because you know who was the head coach of the Lions in his debut for that game? Was that Matt Patricia? Yes, it was. So let's confirm it right now. Todd Bowles. For as much of a sucky coach as he is, he's not as sucky as Matt Patricia. How about that Belichick coaching tree? Well, when Troy Weiss is the most successful in that coaching tree, there's a problem. Oh, there's a big problem if he's the best. Well, let's see how McDaniels does in the second year with the Raiders. Hey, at least the Raiders beat New England on that stupid play where Chandler Jones freaking trucked Mac Jones. That may have been the second best ending last year to a football game. Seriously. Yeah, Yeah, when uh, Mac Jones just got leveled by Chandler Jones, Chandler Jones, as time is running out, takes it to the end zone for a touchdown. That's the second best ending last year to a football game. And we've talked about the first. The Dallas game where in Ezekiel Elliott's last play, he lines up as a center and gets absolutely blasted off the ball. (laughs) What are you thinking? And yet somehow Mike McCarthy's still coaching for another year. Yeah, Jerry Jones is laughing all the way to the bank. That's all he cares about, probably. Yeah. Maybe Jerry can call the plays up there. Wouldn't be that bad. Wouldn't you like to see Jerry call some plays? Boy, that's a tough decision. Do I have Jerry Jones call the plays or do I have McCarthy call the plays? Boy, that's like bad and really bad. You could probably put uh, that label with uh, either of them. Sorry, Brandon. You know, when I first saw the Booker Mobile, you know what my reaction was, Mike? What's that? What the f*** is this shit? <laughs> I'm like, why is this guy on a crane high above everyone, blocking everybody, and not in the booth? I don't get this. Well, remember, he was essentially an analyst. So he was doing the role of like Pam Oliver, you know, being the sideline reporter. But well, instead of being on the sideline, yeah, he was on the sideline, but he was in this crane uh, obstructing everybody's view. Plus also, I don't think I ever saw him talking to the players on the sideline, like you would see a Pam Oliver do or uh, any number of other analysts, Tony Saragusa, rest in peace. Or Aaron Andrews. Exactly. Or dare I say it? Oh, my gosh. Joe Namath and Susie Colbert. 
Fall back to two weeks ago when we talked about Waverly Wonders. I don't care about the season. Oh, my. I don't blame him. After Chad Pennington injured his wrist, I want to forget that season, too. But, yeah, he sort of isolated himself from the players, unlike any other sideline reporter. And he had this cushy view, which, as we said, blocked probably hundreds, if not thousands of people's views of the game for what? So he could, I'm going to use air quotes here. So he could hover over the line of scrimmage. So he has an exclusive view as to what's happening. Did he ever even hover over the line of scrimmage? No. Plus also we have enough cameras nowadays on those wires where they can get all those fancy Madden video game esque imagery. Don't need booger hanging over the uh, the line of scrimmage. Plus, also <laughs> imagine the catastrophe that would happen if the crane broke and booger fell right on this line of scrimmage while they're lined up. That would be a hilarious way to go out. Let's be honest. Oh, it would be hilarious, but <laughs> that would be horrible. You know, fourteen careers ended. Because Booger had to get, like, the best view in the house. And his crane tipped over. (laughs) (laughs) But you think, okay, Booger and the Boogermobile, it's terrible. But at least, okay, you think, well, Tony Romo was good as a color guy. So, okay, maybe it runs with the Dallas Cowboys. Once you retire, you become a good football analyst. Clearly, that's going to carry over with Jason Witten, right? Right? I'm going to say no for one reason, and I'm going to make a comparison which is going to help make sense. In baseball, what position primarily are most major league managers? They used to be what position? Pitcher? No, catcher. Oh, catcher. Because the catcher ran the show, knew how to handle the pitches and do all that stuff, and, and basically was sort of the manager on the field, if you will. That's why you have, you know, talking about uh, some of the uh, the coaches, uh, A.J. Hinch, he was a uh, catcher, and probably the next Guardians manager, Sandy Alomar Jr., well, he was a really good catcher back in the day. So you see the catcher is like the manager. I'm going to equate the same thing to football. Your field generals were quarterbacks. Romo, quarterback. Aikman, quarterback. Witten, tight end. Maybe they hired him for his personality. I don't know. Well, let's see. San Francisco cannot kick themselves in the foot like that. You're going to see him on the outside. He's going to come up and around the edge and collapse that corner. It's tough on these linebackers. And when they do that, it, it's all about the rush. 0 for 3 so far against this Broncos defense. You've got Kelsey. Third and 4. Mahomes gets it complete for a first down to Demarcus Robinson. Got Kelsey. Got Kelsey. Got Kelsey. Got Kelsey. Can we describe for the audio listeners what happened on this play? I think the video says it all in big letters. Travis Kelsey is not open. And really, when he did his route, he wasn't open. He was open for a a split second, but it wasn't like he was wide open. Mahomes would have to thread the needle in order to get it to him. But Travis Kelsey was pretty well covered there. Boy, you know, Travis Kelsey, (laughs) he would have been really good on Thursday Night Football last night because... And I talked about this with some coworkers today. Good heavens. Nobody on Kansas City last night is a player I recognized because Kelsey was out. And uh, I, I know who uh, Scantling is, uh, but besides him, yeah, uh, Tyreek Hill's gone. Hardman's with the Jets. Juju uh, moved to New England. It's like watching a superb quarterback in Mahomes throw to a bunch of nobodies. And I think, if I remember looking at the box score this morning, no receiver had more than two catches. I mean, they had like 13 people catch the ball last night, but nobody like stood out above the rest. 
And then there's Kadarius Tony, but we'll say less about him because I almost drafted him. And I'm glad I didn't. I'll tell you, Kittle is really flashing this year, isn't he? And he's able to connect with a big tight end who goes up and then it's down. A flag is down as Nick Boyle came skying through like a pro wrestling move to meet the defender. Okay. Watching that play, the tight end, like, if you remember, gosh, 10 years ago at this point, when the Browns played the Steelers one day and Antonio Brown early in his career did that kick to the face of the punter. That's what it looked like. He looked like he was going to give him a foot right in the uh, face mask. But okay, you want to know why this last two clips have been so funny? Because Jason provides nothing. This is the part where he's supposed to talk and he's not doing anything. I'd say he's new to his job, but you had one job. You are the color analyst. Keyword there being analyst. Analyze. 270. Second and six. Balls out! That was Trevathan! Trevathan with the big sack. You're going to see him here. Trevathan just gets him so right there. Now, do we want to describe for the audio listeners what just popped up on the video? Okay, I was actually hoping there'd be a comment about that, and I'm glad this came up. Okay, so Danny Trevathan, not Trevathan, Trevathan tweeted, It's year seven, fellas. Learn how to pronounce my name correctly. Come on now. Be great at everything you do. At Jason Witten, at NFL underscore MNF. I was going to say his last name is Trevathan, not Trevathan. That is terrible. What test you saw Aaron Rodgers there? Blood on his elbow, big old knee brace on, hitting the wrist. It doesn't matter. He pulls another rabbit out of his head. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Mixed metaphors. He pulled a rabbit from his head. Hold on, maybe that explains why he got COVID, Aaron Rodgers. Or he's just a dumbass, one or the other. <laughs> Which one? I'm excited. It's a neat spot to be here. And I've really enjoyed kind of sitting in this chair and, and the challenge that this presents. Thanks, Jason. The challenge of getting paid a lot of money and doing very little in return. Very little worthwhile. Okay. Let me share this review from Ben Koo on Awful Announcing right after the first Monday Night Football broadcast of 2018. Let me read Witten's grade here. Grade D. Now, I should note that Joe Tessitore got a grade of a B. So, okay. That's good. A grade you'd expect from Tessitore, to be honest. Yep. All right. Let me read the review here. There was a strong consensus here that Witten did not have a great debut. The good thing is, he didn't have any major miscues, and I don't think he really rubbed anyone the wrong way. The problem is Witten just didn't really talk much at all. In fact, I went back and found a nearly four-minute stretch late in the game where he didn't say a word. By design, Witten is supposed to be MNF's number two personality behind Tessator but I'm quite confident McFarland spoke more than him. Way more. I mean, perhaps even twice as much. There is no set rule on how much Whitney was supposed to speak, but given he's in the booth with Tessator and McFarland, is down in a perch much closer to the action. You'd think Whitten would have the livelier banter with Tessator. It's just very weird that you have Tessator going back and forth so much less often with the guy physically next to him. I feel like a lot of the pauses in the broadcast were places where Tessator and the production truck were looking for for Witten to jump in, but it just didn't happen with the regularity you'd expect. When Witten did speak, it was mostly nothing revelatory, and at times you could sense he was a bit nervous and sometimes even tongue-tied. He just didn't seem to be loose and confident, and that was something that seemed universally resonant on social media. Do you want to hear Booger's grade? 
I think for completeness sake, we do. Booger's grade was a B minus. It says here the social media reaction to Booger was pretty positive. And Benku writes, it seemed like many viewers were unaware McFarland wasn't even in the booth, given how involved he was. There was a positive to see as he didn't feel the need to be introduced like a sideline reporter. He more or less hopped in and out, and that was all seamless. So the idea of a two and a half man booth seems to work, although you can say that Witten became more of the half personality and McFarland's presence saw him become the more featured personality. So I believe at some point in the year, like late in the year, I think maybe for like one or two games, they actually did have Booger in the booth. And I think that was because of weather-related concerns with some games. Because obviously you can't have, let's say, a rainstorm and then have Booger on that giant-ass crane. Then you'd have the scenario, Mike, you talked about 14 people dying having their freaking backs crushed. Causing paralysis because ESPN needed the booger mobile. I wasn't even thinking about that, talking about rain. I'm sure they have great electricians, but with all that electronics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, potentially a little liability if not uh, taken care of uh, very well. But actually, what I thought you were going to say weather wise is snow. Yeah. Because especially Cleveland. Green Bay, Buffalo, New England. They get a lot of snow in November and December. And we just saw it, what, a year ago, two years ago, where Buffalo had like eight feet of snow in the stadium. They got pounded. And uh, there are even concerns that they couldn't play the game because eight feet of snow. Um, that's all you need to know. Eight feet of snow. Never have I been through eight feet of snow. Most I've seen is like three feet of snow. And that took, gosh, three days to just like plow just to be able to get out of the driveway. So imagine if it's almost three times more. And then you want to like tow the boogermobile around the sideline. No, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in two feet of snow let alone eight feet of snow. Unless they have some good snow tires on that. Maybe it'll work then, but still, not going to happen. All right, so the 2018 season ended, and Mike, you're not going to believe this. Jason Witten decided, you know what? Forget this. I'm coming back, baby. Jerry, sign me up. So, yes, Jason Witten came out of retirement to play for the Cowboys for the 2019 season. But, Mike, I have some bad news. Bad news? Yes. Unfortunately, Joe and Booger had to do this without the Booger Mobile. Understandable under the circumstances. You know what? I'm going to miss the Booger Mobile. I mean, you know, people are going to remember. Where were you on March 7th, 2019, the date that ESPN announced that they were getting rid of the Booger Mobile? It'll be written about in history books, Mike. Where were you when they ditched the Booger Mobile? You may have an answer to this. I don't. Was this something that was covered on the ESPN talk shows that day? I don't think so. Opportunity lost. I'm sure maybe Kornheiser and Wilbon talked about it, but I couldn't find any clip. Well, yeah, Kornheiser and Wilbon definitely would because they've been associated with Monday Night Football for years. Their halftime show. Oh, yeah. And remember, as I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, Kornheiser was part of the booth. But Joe Tessitore said about the changes in November of 2019. It's completely different. It's a more conforming broadcast and production, dot, 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 for me. It's like putting on a comfortable pair of jeans. It's what I've done for 20-plus years, having a guy next to me, having the ability to turn and speak to him, not this juggling act we had last year. At least it sounded experimental, and the experiment uh, went boom. Yeah. So you think, okay, now that Booger 
is in the booth. It's a two-man booth. Surely, Mike, this is going to be better, right? It's going to be way better. He's not going to have the Booker Mobile. He's not going to block people's views for 50, 100 rows. And you're going to have somebody as an analyst in the booth who actually speaks. Yes. All right, let's hear it. And he got him to safety too quick. That's an excuse without on third and long giving up that big a play. We're going to have a split safety look, which means you got the entire middle of the field open. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Charles, do you want to describe for the audio listeners what Booker McFarland just drew between the two wide receivers? That's a penis. It really does look like that. That's why Greg and I stopped the video and got it out of our system because, well, you know, if you look at it at a certain angle, it looks like a cannon, but, well, I'm not going to justify that either. (laughs) The jokes rate themselves. You know what would have been really great if, like, if, like, he ran it in for a touchdown, like, he would put, like, like, a firework, like, right here at the end. Like right here. Like a firework going off. Oh, a firework. Wink, a firework. Wink, wink. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought you were starting to talk like Frank Caliendo doing John Madden, where when he did the telestrator, he'd just draw a bunch of crap. But okay. Yeah. Fireworks at the end of the cannon. Sure, Greg. I feel insulted you compared me to Frank Caliendo. I have standards, damn it. Now, I said Frank Caliendo as John Madden. I know what you're saying, though. Again, I have standards. <laughs> I'm a serious podcast journalist. You're a professional. A professional. <laughs> as a rookie, decaf Metcalf. DK Metcalf coughed it up. Wait, did he say decaf Metcalf? Yes, he did. <laughs> I don't know if that was Joe or Booker, but. Decaf Metcalf? Oh, what is going on in this image I paused here? What is Booger doing with that cigar? Is he doing his Groucho Marx impression? (laughs) I guess we have to press play and find out. Cigar in our mouth! These are the type of plays that historically have gone against the Vikings. The Minneapolis Miracle. Plays that are fluke plays that win against... This team, I'm sure Vikings. Hold on. Plays that went against the Vikings, the Minneapolis Miracle. Mike, what happened in the Minneapolis Miracle against the Saints? Was that the game from maybe like six years ago where they came back from like being weighed down and shocked the Saints? Yes, where uh, Stefan Diggs made that touchdown at the last second. He said it went against the Vikings. He did say it went against the Vikings, yeah. And the thing is, as we look at this paused, there is a Viking defender holding the ball because what happened is it looked like Russell Wilson's pass got tipped at the line of scrimmage, and then usually you're supposed to bat it down at that point because, yeah, it'll be a dead ball if it's moving forward. And it looked like Russell Wilson sort of hit it back up in the air and this defender came by and intercepted the ball. Oh, and not just intercepted the ball. looks like he took it for a touchdown. Yeah. By the way, Mike, how did you like that audible ad at the end of the last episode? I'm trying to remember if I listened to the end of that episode. I did download it. I don't know if I finished it, though. Okay. Well, just wait for the bonus that I put in at the end there. Isn't that right, Susan? Uh-oh. I didn't see them all. I heard about the guys, Jim Brown and O.J. Simpson and Jerry Rice and those guys. But I do think Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback this game has ever seen. <laughs> what did he? Wait, hold on. Hey, wait, yeah, yeah. Hold on a second. So he said that Jim Brown and O.J. Simpson were quarterbacks. They were running backs. They were not quarterbacks. Oh, my. Maybe they should have kept the Boogermobile now that I think about it. Maybe they should have put a mute button on his microphone so he can't say such stupid stuff. False start. Offense. 
Number 63, Roger Pelvey. Still second down. And I know you never want to get penalties. I understand that. You never want to get them. But this may actually help the Rams because it gives them more room. Because all the Ravens are going to do as you get down close inside the 10-yard line, the field shrinks. So if you can't run it in, now it becomes tough to throw the football. What the heck is that logic? Let's get a penalty because it opens up the field more. No. Seriously. That's horrible. You know what's horrible? These awful jerseys the Rams are wearing right here. Oh, those are atrocious. You know, I have a funny story, and this involves my dad. You know you love when my dad talks about football, right? They're some of the best anecdotes ever. Well, my dad, when he saw these Rams uniforms, you know what his reaction was? Okay, hit me with it. They look like they're in a commercial. <laughs> I can't even see this from a straight face. <laughs> they look like they're in a commercial for Honey Nut Cheerios. What? They look like they're in a commercial for Honey Nut Cheerios. What? I I can't even like grasp that <laughs> because their uniforms are yellow. But there's no blue in Honey Nut Cheerios. I mean, of all the things in the world that are blue and yellow, he goes to Honey Nut Cheerios, which really is like yellow and brown. I believe are the colors. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> but those are still ugly jerseys. Let's just remember that. Oh God, yeah. Oh my God, there's still like three more minutes left in this video, and we spent what, like ten minutes on the first minute of the video. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That Prescott is playing with is unprecedented. That's the thing you'll notice tonight. Just watch how smooth and in command he is of this offense. Six seconds later, they begin. He's so smooth offensively. Next play. Intercepted. Oh, my God. He may not be the best tight end in the league because he's not. In the AFC, though, I I think it's going to come down to the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Texans, the Colts, and the Ravens. Those five teams. And there was a graphic that said, bold picks. But I do like... What Zach Taylor is doing here in Cincinnati, I like what they're building. The Bengals are 0-4. That's not good. Let's remember this is the year before Joe Burrow got drafted. This is 2019. So, yeah, they weren't good that year. That's why they had the number one pick. That's why they got Joe Burrow. And, well, in case you didn't hear the news, Joe Burrow is going to be paid a lot of money, like $275 million worth of money. Oh, yeah, he's getting that F money. He's come a long way, Joe Burrow, from taking that selfie wearing the LeBron jersey as a kid. I just saw something earlier today, a tweet from, oh, I'm guessing 2013 or so, so about 10 years ago, where he is asking Twitter, hey, can somebody get me some exposure so I can possibly play at a big-time school? You know, Can somebody direct me to a camp or something that I can improve my game? And let's remember, Joe Burrow started off at Ohio State, and I believe uh, either his senior year or as like a fifth-year senior, he transferred to LSU and won the national championship. And I don't want to say the rest is history, but we know his legacy. Oh, yeah. He should take you to the ball. Here's fourth and one, and they're going to have this boot for it. They really don't have a number one receiver here. They're waiting on Miller to... He said the Bears don't have a number one wide receiver. And the graphic said, Allen Robertson put up more than 1,000 yards. That's a number one wide receiver. It is. Oh, wait, wait, wait. There's a Browns thing there. I want to hear this. Oh, God. Okay, hold on a second. Last week, I... 
is. Baker <laughs> Mayfield. He's a guy that makes the show go. Yeah, he did such a good job with uh, Carolina last year and the Browns for four years, and now he's moved on to Tampa. Now, hold on, Mike. There's no way to talk about MVP winner Baker Mayfield, the winner of the most prestigious award in football. I said it. Listen, Baker Mayfield MVP awards. One, Tom Brady. Zero. Nickelodeon MVPs. Therefore, Baker Mayfield, best quarterback ever. He's up there with Mitch Trubisky. And Dak Prescott, let's not forget. Numbers don't lie. Because as we know, the MVP, the only award that matters. And you know, Mike, that Nickelodeon has an alternative broadcast for the Super Bowl this year. Yes, they do. Oh, that's going to be golden. Especially, can you imagine who PFT commenter is going to try to rig the vote for for the Super Bowl for the MVP? Well, it's tough to make a prediction about that when literally there's been one game played thus far. But, you know, I guess we're looking at Jared Goff as the MVP for the Super Bowl at this point. Because I'm sorry, the Chiefs, oh, they look bad. Let's not forget that also during this time that we're talking about that historic Chiefs-Rams game from the Coliseum, the 54-51 game was in 2018 on Monday Night Football. Well, that would have been like an early coming out party for Mahomes because remember, he was drafted in 2017, didn't play in 2017. That was Alex Smith's last year in Kansas City. And he ascended to the throne in 2018 and just absolutely blew everybody away. Brought the energy to this team. When Josh Rosen was in the lineup, the team wasn't playing with any fire. But the inserted Fitzpatrick... The team wasn't playing with any fire. The Dolphins were 0-6. I'm sorry, I'm laughing at a Josh Rosen reference. Oh my gosh. Talk about a bust. All right, Mike, let's go to January of 2020. Now, Mike, this was the AFC wildcard game on ESPN between the Texans and the Bills. And I remember that we were doing a taping while this game was happening. In fact, the episodes that were being taped that week would have been Super Jeopardy and Monopoly and the millionaire ripoffs of 2000. Uh, In other words, episodes 19 and 20. Now, this was a game the Texans would prevail in overtime 22 to 19. But according to Matt Clapp of Awful Announcing, it was a particularly rough day for Booger McFarland, and it was capped off of commentary in the Bills' final drive of regulation. The Bills trailed 19 to 16 after blowing a 16 to nothing lead. Oh, that's right. The Bills had a 16 to nothing lead, and Josh Allen choked it away. Gee, that wouldn't be a pattern so far. Josh Allen choking in January? I'm more surprised that Houston had a good team just as recently as three years ago. Okay, the Bills, they had a third and 10 at the Houston 29-yard line with 15 seconds left and no timeouts remaining. And this is what Booker suggested for the Bills right here. Tell you what, if I'm Sean McDermott at this point, you almost just run a quick draw play, get a few yards, spike it. Third and 10. Spike it. Run a quick draw play, get a few yards, spike it. With 15 seconds left. Well, beyond the 15 seconds left, it's third and 10. If you get a few yards, in other words, less than 10, and spike it, that's your fourth down right there. And no timeouts remaining. And did you hear Joe's voice right here after he heard that? Let me play it again. Third and ten. Third and ten. Like reemphasize that. <laughs> like oh he tried to subtly say the booker, it's third and ten in the nicest way possible without like yelling. Without demeaning him, absolutely. Let me read a tweet right here. Going from Booger McFarland to Tony Romo, 
is like going from Chip Kelly to Kyle Shanahan. Because remember, Chip Kelly was the 49ers coach for like one year before Kyle Shanahan. Everyone forgets that. Booger, I can't say this enough. People watching, all evidence the contrary. And then this last tweet I found in the article. The good, more football. The bad, more booger. So ESPN decided after that game to finally, mercifully end this horrible, horrible run. So both Tessa Tor and McFarland were replaced by Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Riddick for the 2020 season. And that team lasted for two seasons until, obviously, they got Joe Buck and Troy Aikman to move over from Fox to ESPN. And that's presumably going to be your team for, like, the next couple of years. And so we don't have to worry about booger mobiles, like people's sight lines getting blocked by 500 rows, people not talking for, like, Four minutes at a time. In other words, you have professionals doing the job now. Yes. And like I said in the 2022 year in review show, no offense to everyone who came after Mike Tirico before Joe Buck in Sean McDonough, Tessa Tor, and Steve Levy, but they're not like NFL caliber, like more key announcers. Nothing against them. But it's like when you hear them, it's like your mind thinks college football announcer. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. So after Jason Witten played for the Cowboys in 2019, he played a season for the Las Vegas Raiders in 2020. Still weird to say Las Vegas Raiders, but whatever. And then he finally retired. Booger McFarland. He went back to college football on ESPN, and I think he's co-hosting that NFL primetime reboot on ESPN Plus with Berman. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think just the Tom Jackson role. Yeah, after Tom Jackson retired. Good for him. At least now he's working with Berman. And Monday Night Football, they got a broadcasting team that will probably be around for the next decade or so but in the end in 2018 and 2019 Booker and Witten on Monday Night Football were just a thing on TV but we'll always have the Booker Mobile I wonder where it's at now me too it's not in the Hall of Fame I can guarantee you that much well, remember, they did find in a barn the model train from Super Train. Maybe in 20 or 30 years, someone is going to go to a barn and find the Boogermobile. Only you would connect the model train of Super Train to the Boogermobile. You could be right, though. It could be in storage somewhere, and and maybe ESPN doesn't want to acknowledge its existence, but somebody in 20 years will be like, what is this piece of machinery? And some grizzled old veteran will come by and say, that's the Boogermobile. What's the Boogermobile? Sit down. Let's talk. Let's listen to episode 409 of this podcast. What's a podcast? Shut up, you whippersnapper. You like that how I referenced the podcast in this little look into the future? I don't know if I should be honored or offended. (laughs) Well, that's going to do it for this episode. But remember, you can always go to our website over at itwasathingontv.com where you can listen to the 408 episodes that precede this one. We've got all sorts of great bonuses there, including minisodes, live shows, extended versions of previous episodes, the whole works. And remember, we are on all social media, including Instagram, Threads, Mastodon, over It Was a Thing on TV, except for Facebook, where we are at It Was a Thing on TV podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever fine podcasts can be streamed, either at Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Audible, etc. And don't forget, we are on YouTube, where you can like and subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to hit the notification bell on YouTube to be informed of all future uploads on the channel, including what's coming up on the podcast next time. Mike, what's coming up on the next episode? We're going to talk about a show that did not run very long and did not air in many places. And really, there's very little footage of it out on the Internet. And maybe that's for a good reason. The show was bizarre, to say the least. It was a clear ripoff of another show which had been much more successful, not just in its original run, but even recently. There is a redeeming factor, though. The set. Oh, we're probably going to talk more about the set for this show than anything else, because we're going to refer to something that really I don't think we've ever talked about. And I can't speak for Chico because he's not here. And I don't want to speak for Greg, but I don't think we've ever talked about Mad Magazine. And we're going to talk about it next episode. Oh, good. It finally gives me an excuse to talk about Spy versus Spy. One of the best uh, segments in Mad uh, Magazine. Absolutely. But you'll find out all about that in the next episode of It Was a Thing on TV. I'm Greg, and that was Mike. And we'll see you for the next one. Wow! miss you booger mobile r.i.p booger mobile august 2018 to december 2018 like i said looking at those tweets a number of them said i paid thousands of dollars for the seat only for it to be obstructed by a big guy and a 50 inch flat screen tv but you know what I'm glad that it pissed off license plate guy from the Giants so much. So good on you, Booger Mobile. Is license plate guy like a notorious Giants fan or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he's like a jackass. He wears like a license plates all around his neck from New York. Oh, I thought he was a fan of bumper stumpers. <laughs> you know how you said that only I could connect the Booger Mobile to Super Train? Only, Only you- I could connect the Boogermobile to bumper stumpers. Ding.